This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The first four hours were simply in a moose-bouche. I'm stuffed. I can't remember the last time I ate this much. Sure you don't want no dessert? Not for me. Yeah, I'm good. Your table is ready for Carmen and Lima's emerging podcast scene. We're brought to you by Extend Technologies, X-T-E-N-D-A-V.com. If, you're, if you like humor, go follow Kylie Brakeman on social media. She's funny. No, but, you know, I'm looking at her last five tweets. People are going to get mad. Well, Instagram, too. No, she does both. I know, but she's talking politics. She makes fun of both libs and, and Republicans. Oh, good. Okay, Very don't follow good. her. I don't no, care. I mean, no. if you guys are going to be that upset over every little thing that's oh, ever they said, are, then the hell with it. They are. Judas Priest. The, you guys are so freaking sensitive. The fact that we All can't even pick out comedians. We Jeez. can't even pick out our favorite comedians because they might have made fun of. Boy, the Bill Burr thing was an exercise in that. They try to cancel Bill Burr about once every two weeks. I think a lot of the people that came to see Bill Burr did not expect him to say some of the things that he said, and therefore immediately they were trying to figure out should they go get their bag? Should they leave? Should they leave? And then if you just wait long enough, you just showed some patience. Just yes, he'll make fun of the other guy too, because that's what we have be to do now. Open up for the love of God. Does everything have to be partisan? Why do we have to act outraged about everything? I'm on the verge. I'm on the yep, verge yep, already. He's losing it. We are a minute 20 into this thing. My goodness. Jesus. Some of you folks. Like, yeah, there are some people out there who are nasty people. But damn, is everything a fight? Is everything a fight to you? Does it all have to be good versus evil? Yes. <laughs> yes. Jeez. Uh, hence, today. today's the primary day, and... I somebody approached me at work today. Somebody approached me and asked because I think they figured they knew my political leanings because I think I've made it abundantly clear before. Yeah, and they came up to me and they were like, "Anthony, you for Nan? Anthony, what do I do? Should I switch affiliation just so I can sabotage the other side?" And I said, "It's a bad idea. It's one vote. You're not sabotaging anything. You should well, vote, but are you sabotaging? Are you a saboteur? Well, no. My point was." There is, let's just say, one party is starting to tell their voters to switch affiliation to prevent the nastiest of the evil on the other side from getting in. And I'm like, actually, though, I could present the counterpoint, which shows why all of this is an exercise of utility. My counterpoint would have been, actually, that guy you're most worried about might be the most beatable. And therefore, maybe you want him to win the primary. Mm. 
But it just goes to show that we can have these discussions till we're blue in the face. Mm-hmm. You just need to vote for who you want to vote for. I you have... can't sit there and try to play devil's advocate and try to do the princess bride and say, if I know that you know that I know, then maybe I should go the other way. I well, it's like, switched... well, you can play that game till you're blue in the face. I have switched registration so many times. And the reason is, is because I love the mail and the literature that you get from either side. It's a, it's kind of a crapshoot on when you're going to get her, how how you're going to get her, what side you're going to get. I love it. I love the crapshoot of literature that is sent to me, the mailings, the ad, the advertisements of of different politicians. I love to keep that because the reason is I want to keep the mailman guessing. That's my whole. <laughs> oh, goal. I like that. Do yes. you get the old residence mail when it comes to that stuff specifically? No, not not often. Not my, often. Uh... But I but. The former resident lived there from 64 until 2020. Whoa, did they die in the house? No. No. Not not under my watch. That's a shame. Yeah. No, uh, although her husband might have. But I get a lot of Catholic League stuff. Oh. Because they were very... Very big That's in the purpose. church. That's on purpose. Oh, say so leave that behind. They know yeah, you got so, six kids. Yeah. They're, they're getting you. I, That's what they're doing. They know. So I found this interesting. That's on purpose. Well done. Well, there is Jesus, Mary, and Joseph glued to the wall. It will never come down. It's not allowed. It, well done, Cleveland Diocese. I believe it is the the cornerstone of my house. Boom. Well, I found this interesting. As you know, well, I haven't talked a lot about it on the air, but I've been looking for houses. And I you went. Actually, let the cat out of the bag last week. I hope you know that. But. I do, but nobody remembers, and nobody sticks till the yeah, end. Because if they stuck till the end, there'd be more conversation about how the ends of these podcasts typically go. They'd hear Damarera. I we do need more Damarera. And in fact, you know, we are now going to get Damarera on yeah. the podcast today. We have a doctor. The next time we're gonna have Dom freaking Herrera. We on. should have Dom. He is on. hilarious. He, he is so underrated. Whatever. That's a different place. So. Dr. Tim Kremchek will join us. Later today. Oh, I need headphones. Oh, crap. Yeah, I got to get my headphones, too. Ah, crap. One of, us at a time. One of us at a time have to leave and carry that. Well, so if you want right to go there. right now. Mine are right there. All okay. right, hold on. Stand so, by. While Ken talks. Uh, let's do the old studio production C shuffle. Oh, For those God. that don't know, uh, I've been looking at houses, and I went into oh, really? a house. This will just you know further outline how crazy the political climate is. Every day, I feel like we have a bigger and better example. But I went into this house, and one of the tricks, I guess, the realtors, they go to, you kind of want to see the garages. Right. Right? That's only fair. But some of the open houses, some of the appointments, they specifically say, do not go in the garage. Well, <laughs> that's where the bodies are buried. I realize if somebody says, do not go in the garage, now I need to know go what's in the garage. in the garage because I have to see yeah. if the garage is falling apart. Right, is that going to be an immediate $25,000 expense to have to redo the garage? And a lot of them are old, especially on the west side. Are these, are these even on the connected garage? garages? These are the disconnected garages. Oh, disconnected. Okay. Yeah, the disconnected garages. And one of them was a beautiful, huge garage. And they said, do not go in the garage. Well, of course, the garage is locked. But our realtor... Uh, well, let's just say another realtor from who knows what company oh. uh, went o- went right over and said, "Oh, here we have to open the garage." So they found one of the mm. one of the uh, cupboards or whatever, hit the button, and of course there goes the door up. And right. then we see immediately why they didn't want us going in the garage. Oh, swings, 
Oh, that would have been awesome. That would be amazing. Sex swings in yes. the garage. You got to leave the sex swings. You would have to show you, everybody. Have you ever negotiated? Yeah, stains with house. Yeah, you haven't negotiated what stays and what goes. No, well, we're starting to talk about it. Last guy we uh, bought from was so stingy. Oh my god. I know, and it's like, well, you're not going to bring it. this I with could you. Not stand it. People think they're bringing this with them to the afterlife. Apparently, some of this stuff. But I realized immediately that garage door. Open really slowly. Huge, beautiful garage. Like almost like a pole barn. And this garage door is going up and I'm like, oh, I could start to see it. Lot of blue. Lot of blue. The garage door kept going up. The biggest Trump sign you have ever seen. And a whole (laughs) bunch of flags. And the blank Biden sign. And I'm like, I don't know why they didn't want people to see this. Because, okay, they first of all, what do they think? I wouldn't want the house. Why would I care? Second of all, what if I'm that team? Now I want the house even more. And now I know that there was this huge flag. And they have all the stuff I ever need to he start. He said stop it immediately. No, I'm just kidding. To start my oh. campaign for 2024. 24. Yeah. Why wouldn't I want to see that? You get a starters pack. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think that was a huge foible on the on the part of them. Like they they don't want anybody seeing this. Well, oh, and I sh- by don't the way, go in the gra- I already don't saw- go in the garage. Sounds very sketchy. And by the way, I already saw the gigantic, ridiculous fifteen thousand dollars safe in your bedroom. I know who you're voting for. I didn't wait need a to know. damn minute. Hold oh, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because because it's six feet tall. <laughs> oh my god, and it holds at least. Oh, this was awesome. What an awesome safe. Whoa. We've been down that road. We've been down that road. Mm-hmm. I don't think you know. Now, if you're selling, I don't think you know. I if think you're that, selling well, a house, I know, but I know. If you're selling a house in a neighborhood, especially on cert- in certain neighborhoods on the west side, you got you have to expect that uh, you're going to have to change your voting, or at least everyone around you votes a certain He's way. Listening. So you might be changing that. You should have seen how big the sign was. I'm sure. I actually it was think, the biggest. Uh, you don't remember. I didn't remember that. You sent uh, us a picture of how big the sign was. Well, I totally forgot. It was like a Bennigan sign. <laughs> it was so big. Yeah, well, you want to let people know. Let people know. No big yeah. deal. That's your call, man. Well, my only issue. People get so mad at me. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. My, I don't care if you here's my Trump only, or Joe Biden. Here's my only issue with your flags is that when, I'm moving to a new house, obviously. Will be. When that flag goes up next to me, what do you think I'm going to do? Although I'm probably not. What are you going to do? I'm probably going to go buy a flag just as big and put it in my side. Then you guys and need so to they have a nulli- flag off. Then they nullify each other. Yeah, well, then you guys got to have aren't, the biggest flag. Aren't we better off with no flag? Well, that's a totally different conversation. There's and now two the flags way, in this state. I know, but now the way people are judging what you have in your yard, do you even want to invite that kind of nonsense? Like, your house could get egged just because of a political candidate, which is sad. That is sad that that would be the case in today's day and age. tell you what, it really entrenches you then, right? You know who we can talk about with that. I don't think we can, buddy. Oh, come on. I don't think that's, I don't think that's possible. Fine. Dr. Tim Kremchek joins us. I hope I'm saying that right, doctor. He's of Cincinnati, and he did yeah. the Tommy John surgery for San Diego Padres pitcher Mike Clevenger, who's returning today. And is going to make a schedule. Now, we weather permitting, will make his mm. season debut today against his former teammates. We traded Clevenger to San Diego back in 2020. Doctor, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, you did pronounce my name right. It's Kremlin. Oh, that's great. I, I am at Cincinnati. That's correct. Good. 
Good. But by, by the way, in Cincinnati, we're at 75 degrees and sunny. You know, they, oh, wow. they, 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 they try to talk about this this huge, what is it normally, five degrees, six degrees. You know, people don't want to hear that right now, Dr. Tim. They don't want to hear that up here in Cleveland. 57 and cloudy here in Cleveland. Okay, I have quite possibly the dumbest question to ask to a professional like yourself, someone who's been as successful as you've been in your realm and somebody who obviously is as honorable as you are. But we have the list of some of the famous baseball players that you've worked on before. Well, there's a lot. And there really are. So from Aaron Boone to Daniel Murphy to Ken Griffey Jr. So I'm going to ask my dumb question, and you can just tell me. You can joke to your friends at the country club how dumb of a question this is. If this isn't the dumb question I think it is, I have another dumb question. I'm sorry, doctor. Go ahead. I don't think it will be the dumb question you think it is. So, So thank you for at least entertaining the dumb question that's about to come out of my mouth. Is there a difference at all when you have, all right, Daniel Murphy, very expensive player. Mark Wohlers, at times in his career, big time. But then it's Ken Griffey Jr. When you get Ken Griffey Jr. under the knife, are you a little extra careful? Just because it's Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> That's the dumb I, I, question. I'm not going to say more careful because I like to think I'm careful for everybody, but it's general. It's in the back of your mind. I mean, there's just there's just too many people watching. Too many people want to criticize. Too many people want to second guess. And you know, unfortunately for Junior Griffey, when he, I, I give you the greatest story in the world, like real quick, injures his hamstring years ago. We never MRI'd hamstrings back then. Two weeks later, it still bothered him. Get an MRI. It's pulled off the bone. Never seen it. Never fixed it. Never done it. Sent him down to North Carolina to some fellow that does a bunch of these in soccer players. He flew down. Yes, he needed it fixed. Next day, knocks on my door. He goes, I want you to fix me. I said, I've never done it. He goes, you're my doctor. I trust you. You do it. I'm reading, reading, reading. This is 2003, 2004. I fix it. I'm sweating bullets <laughs> fixing this thing, oh you know, because the guy trusts me and we become friends. I mean, I mean, take him through. Finally, he wants comeback player of the year. This is the great. So he sends me these big posters of him catching a ball over the wall when the Mariners against um, Detroit. Greatest catch ever. Signs it and then and sends them to me and signs it. The only other man that could have done this wears a cape. And then I get it cost me seven thousand dollars to frame them. I said, I got the pictures. It cost me seven grand to frame these things in my office. So, yeah, the answer is you're always aware. And trust me, um, you know, I, I've done a lot of uh, athletes, celebrities, people, Pavarotti, you name it, down the road, at least years ago. But you're always aware of these guys, always. And there's too so much competition in this world. So you know, everybody wants to throw stones somehow, some way. I'm just thinking well, of what minute. Pavarotti got Tommy John surgery. No, he didn't. He, oh. he, it was a Nisco. <laughs> oh, I'm not, sorry. He, he, did not need, he did not need Tommy John surgery. I was being dead serious. That was not me being an idiot. I'm sorry. And Go it ahead. would be some, something if Pavarotti, after you did that surgery so well, uh, he ended up having vocal cord polyps or something with his vocal cord, said, you know what, you're my doctor on this too, and now you have to do a whole bunch of research on that as well. I, here's another question I have, another dumb question. Can we once and for all get rid of with athletes? Because we don't really do this in real life like – my boss has a knee surgery or gets his meniscus, you know, taken care of. He doesn't have a press release the next day that said, Andy Roth, program director at 92.3, the fan at WKRK, had a successful surgery. Can we get rid of the successful surgery uh, proclamations? Because clearly, 
with a lot of these surgeries, we find out a year later they were not successful. Well, yeah, I mean, but you hate to put a press release and say, well, it didn't go so well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, this, one's, this one's iffy. We're not sure how this is going to turn out. You know, we'll see in four to six months. Stay tuned. No, it usually doesn't work that way. You're right. I, successful means they woke up in a recovery room. And, uh, okay, they're awake. That's good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm waiting for that day. Well, you know, I didn't have my best day. You know, I've had players say to me, Doc, you do so many surgeries. He said, every now and then you just get in the middle of it and say, eh, I just cut this one short. I don't feel so good. I mean, you know, so, yeah, I, I can't wait for the press. That, that's awesome. You know, no, nah, nah, let's touch and go. We'll see. So I, I got <laughs> to ask you another, another dumb question before we start asking you the smart ones. So you've been you've been around for a long time. How old are you? I have to ask your age. I'm 61. Okay, you're 61. There was who was it from the Browns who saw Dr. James Andrews? Do you remember Anthony? Was it Miles? Was it Moose? Oh, it was oh, OBJ. Oh, no, that's that right. Duh. Yeah. So OBJ, when he was here, he went to see Dr. James Andrews when he tore his ACL, and Dr. Right. James Andrews was 78. And we was it a caller? Was it Kenny who brought him? He goes. Do you want a really young doctor, doctor, or do you want a really old doctor? Because like we always say, like ah, the more experienced, the better. It's like, well, wait a minute. If it's like driving a car, sometimes the elderly you really don't want them driving anymore. And I'm like, well, somebody <laughs> would know about it. And we had a huge, huge fight. Callers were calling in, doctor, everybody. So is there like, is there a time you're like, ah, I gotta hang it up. I don't have it like I used to. You know what? That's the hardest thing for a physician or somebody who gets in my position to do to, to hang it up. I mean, we have guys in Cincinnati that are in their 80s still operating. But I will tell you this. This is how I look at it. When your cognitive skills go, and I'm saying now these days, you know, 60s, the old 50s, you know, early 70s, you know, pretty, pretty good. But the great thing about a guy like Jim Andrews, whether he's doing an operation or not, is hearing his experience because he's seen it all. And he's still sharp. So whether technically to still do it, you know, he's got fellows that help him, but the ideas of where to do things, what to do, what not to do, how much to do, how little to do, uh, goes a long way. But you're right. You get to a certain age. It's like flying an airplane. I mean, you know, come on. Mm-hmm. You want a 75-year-old pilot? Probably not. You know, the reflexes aren't there. So there comes a time. The problem is who makes that decision, the guy doing it or the people around him, and sometimes that's tough. Well, that is very tough. Dr. Tim Kremchek joining us here on the show of Cincinnati, world-renowned surgeon. Um, how much, how much ego, how much? Con- now I'm just asking regular questions before we get into Tommy John. How much ego, how much confidence does it take? And do you have to, do you have to humble yourself sometimes, or you just let it take over? Because you do hold lives in your hands. I imagine that the ego plays a big role in it. It has to. Yeah, it does. You have to have an ego. You have to have confidence. You've got to have the confidence in your ability. But I'll tell you what, uh, you got to watch the ego thing, and you really got to watch that because you will get humbled. And and maybe it may not be your fault, but you will get humbled at some point, and it brings you down. And, bring, and the bigger your ego, the more you think that you can do, the, and the more invincible you think you are. Well, I'll tell you what, when you come down, it comes down hard. So you've got to almost face steady state. You've got to, you know, kind of really go that even keel. Because if you don't, the highs are high, but the lows are very low. Reminds me of Alec Baldwin in the movie Malice, where he looks over the patient and says, I am God. You've ever seen that movie, yeah, Doctor? I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, that doesn't work because it takes one little, one little issue 
and then all of a sudden you're done, an infection, uh, an inability to come back. And I'll tell you what, we are in a field now of fierce competition. I mean, everybody wants to take care of these athletes. I mean, you get to a point where your name's out there and people know who you are, and that's fine, and you've built your reputation. But still, you know, people want to throw stones at you, so they're looking for somebody not to do well, somebody to fail. Um, Our competition in in your critics out there and other orthopedic surgeons, you know, are are, are throwing stones at you. So, you know, there's a lot of stress going with it, not just to get the patient right, but everybody around you so they're not trying to bring everybody. You get to the top of the mountain, people try to knock you down. People try to knock Jim Andrews down for years, years. Yeah, and yet, you know, he was so good, so talented, so smart, he was able to stay at the top. And, you know, he might be older, but he's still way up there. Dr. Tim Kremchek joining us on the show. So you've performed over 10,000 Tommy John surgeries. You also performed Mike Clemens. No, 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 not 10,000, 2,000, 2,000. I mean, oh, nobody's done 10,000. This thing here says 10,000, I swear to God, it says 10,000 Tommy John no, surgeries. No, 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 no. I've 2, done over 25,000 surgeries in my career. Oh. But uh, over 2,000 Tommy John, which is an incredible number. It's just not that common. You've done 25,000 surgeries in your career, over? Yes. Like to be your device rep. Wow, so Man. how? Well, that's inside knowledge. I don't even know. So there, there's, you do more than one surgery a day, I take it, from back in the day? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking about 25, 30 a week. Okay, I had no idea. I swear this is. I, I swear to you, this is actually new information. I had no idea. I was like, oh, it's one a day, and then you're done for the day. No, and it's up. not unusual for a sports guy you know, to, to, to see these kind of athletes and work out that efficiency. You know, in the old days in a hospital when you had one room to operate in, and it was three or four or five cases a day, yeah, those are different. Now you've got surgery centers, efficiency, multiple. You can go from room to room while they're turning over. A lot of the procedures don't take very long. So it's not, it's not uncommon oh. for busy sports guys wherever to do that kind of volume. So Clevenger's Tommy John, like I've seen a, I've seen where this is going to be sick probably to you. Like I've, I've known of high school baseball players. Like you did Chris Bassett's Tommy John surgery, I believe. And I did. I I actually. Also, uh, Oh, okay. Well, a a Mm -hmm. Cleveland guardian right there. Chris Bassett, I actually called his college games when he was at the university of Akron. Yeah, there we go. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like, I've seen college kids and high school kids actually like, oh, let's get the Tommy John and, like, get it out of the way. I don't know if that's a good – I don't think that that's a good, healthy thing to think of. Anyway, do, like, people come to you and like, hey, I need Tommy John. You're like, no, you don't need Tommy John. They're like, no, I, I better get this done now. Does that happen? Well, first of all, no, it has. Uh, they've said it, but certainly you don't do it. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the old wives' tale. And it's, it, it is a wives' tale in some regards, but – People come back for a harder. Well, these young kids that have never worked out, played baseball their entire, you know, year round for years, never been able to build themselves up, their core, their shoulders, taking the time off to rejuvenate themselves. Yeah, you get a Tommy John, you're out for 9, 12, 15 months, and you're working out, strengthening yourself. You come back throwing harder. So everybody wants to be able to throw harder, uh, and they want to be able to throw better. And oftentimes these players do for that reason. It has nothing to do with what we do. Yet uh, I've had some very naive parents come in and, and, and in some cases coaches and say he's sore just through the Tommy John. And, and anybody that does that, that's just wrong. It's just morally and ethically wrong. But, uh, yeah, that was, you know, again, there's a lot of 
people that are very naive about these things and they want, they want every kid is in seventh grade is the best. They're all ranked. And I mean, people know who the top ranked baseball players are in this country, seventh and eighth grade. They know who they are. Basketball players, the same soccer players are the same. It's incredible. The competition. So everybody wants that edge, but yes, that has happened. Uh, and to the state, I have not done that and will not. I, I know when I was younger, there was all sorts of conversation about when you could finally throw that first curveball and what what it does to your arm. And I know Jeff Passan chronicled in his book about the arm that we know more now about the arm and its abilities and its ability to heal uh, following, you know, traumatic stress than we ever did before. But what have we done with that information? Are we that much more evolved today with the arm of a pitcher? And and maybe I'd even extrapolate that to other players and, you know, their extremities. Have we learned so much more in the year 2022 that we can not only maybe avoid injury, but also come back faster than ever before? Well, first of all, yes, we have. We've learned an awful lot. Uh, the question is, and, and we've come a long way in, in understanding the mechanics of, uh, of the arm, the shoulder, the core, uh, the mechanics, the kinematics, we call it, uh, the stresses. The problem is, and, and is that we all, and this is the biggest problem, and I call it abuse uh, in, in sports, is we turn our heads and look the other way. I mean, we know that fatigue causes injury. We know that the more you throw, and the high school kids in particular, the higher chance they are to get injured. We know that if you're in high school and you throw the ball over 90 miles an hour, you have a 500% chance of severely injuring your shoulder or your elbow. But what are we enamored by? Velocity, radar guns, winning. You know, these teams, I don't care if they're high school, summer teams, these kids are out there playing. And I've got kids showing me the other day, his coach pitched him 147 pitches and he caught the next day. I mean, these, these coaches know, they've been educated. The parents, for the most part, know. But they just want that edge. They want to win. They want your kid out on the field. And that, that ends up becoming abuse. You asked me about curveballs. You know, I get the little league, a 12-year-olds, most people recommend don't even try to throw a curveball into your growth plates or you start maturing at least 13, 14 years old. And if you do, learn how to throw it the proper way. Well, that all went to Little League and the politics of the Little League World Series. Those kids are throwing breaking balls every other pitch. We had two guys, kids from Hamilton, Ohio, that went to the World Series. They were stars in a World Series team, age 12. Two of them had Tommy Johns and never made it through their high school career. So, yeah, we know about the abuse. The question is, do we really look at ourselves in the mirror? We turn in our heads for for the and abusing these kids, quite honestly, for the sake of winning. And that's my biggest problem. Is there like rules? I sound like I'm getting on a soapbox. No, it's, well, that's what we brought you here for. I mean, hell, you're a doctor, and in all honesty, I mean, you're a hell of a lot more experienced and smarter than any of us. So, I mean, we're, I mean, in total honesty here, is there like, are there places where there should be rules? Could there be rules? Could you actually institute a rule, or is it like, well, if it's a lefty, he's going to have a natural curve and stuff like that, like to to say no curve balls and to hold it against a coach or something like that. We actually have rules, and, and they call them the Krimchak rules down here because I see all of – it seems like all the baseball players in the region. And these kids that are 13 years and younger, if they throw breaking balls, they're to, the umpire is supposed to take them out of the game. We're looking at pitch counts. I mean, these kids should not throw six, more than six times their age number of pitches. So, yeah. But what if they're going for a no-hitter, Doc? 
Who cares? Or you want to play in college? You know, I did a poll. I take care of an awful lot of college pitchers too. And a lot of them from up in your area, Lake Erie college, Kent state, Akron, you know, Michigan, Indiana, all these places, these kids, ball state, Bowling green, um, and I take a poll, and most of the successful pitchers that are pitching at that level, a high college level, didn't throw a breaking ball until the end of their high school careers. They, they would just learn mechanics and to throw the ball, off-speed, command, arm slot, all of those things that have made them successful. The kids that start throwing breaking balls at age 10, 11, and 12, they're going to get kids out at age 10, 11, and 12 just by a little bend on the ball. But the stresses are placing on their arm because they don't use their body to throw. They're all using their upper body. They don't till they mature. You're not using your core, your legs. You use, you know, you see kids throw. They just throw with their arms. So that's why we get little leaguer shoulder. They hurt their elbows. They pull the growth plate off the inside part of their elbows. I, I see it all the time. That's what that's what I see in my office. And then I have to educate. That's part of the job. All right, with the Browns this year, Baker Mayfield sustained an injury in Week Two. A shoulder injury tried to make a tackle. It then got re-aggravated when they played the Cardinals when J.J. Watt tossed him into the ground. And yet, he kept playing. And the word from the team was that the doctors have cleared him. Is that the role of a doctor to just simply say, yes, you can play. You can go out there and play. We've seen athletes play, uh, depending on the situation, with terrible injuries. But it doesn't always mean it's the right thing to do. When it, when you are asked about an athlete, because I know you might not know the specifics to the Baker injury, but when you are asked, can an athlete play, what, what are you taking into account to answer that question? What does it mean, yes, you can play? Well, number two, two things. Number one, can you make it worse? And if you make it worse, is it still fixable? And number and then probably number three, um, what is the perform? How does it alter your performance and and and, and playing? Whether it be your other is is non throwing arm and how he throws the ball differently, and his willingness and how much pain he's in, and how much pain he's willing to go through. I mean, a lot of the athletes have to buy into this. I mean, it, it is a complex problem because it's not you know when I have players, it's not up to me. Do you injure your hamstring? That's not up to me whether you can play. Can you run? Can you play to the position that you can play as well as you can? If you hurt this, can you hurt it worse where you're, you're going to be out for a long period of time or maybe not even be fixable? So there's a lot of variables here. And so, you know, a lot of it, I mean, what I know, and I don't know Baker Mayfield, but he's a gamer. You know, the guy wants to play. He's a, he's a football player. And I'm sure they talked about it, talked about the options. And, and I don't know whether his play suffered or not. He says it did um, because of it. It probably did. And, and then the question is, who's behind them, and are they any better? So, you know, all of this has to do with the character of the player. And I'll tell you what, in professional sports, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, of people between the player and the doctor. There's coaches, general managers, owners, agents, and basically people that hang around them. And, and you know, you've got to get through all those people to make these decisions of when and if you're able to play. So, again, most of the idea of whether you're able to play, most of it comes from the player once, once the doctor explains these things. Now, increase so, – yeah, it, it's tough. Yeah, you mentioned agent, and you mentioned the, the, these, these players now all have camps because they're such a big business. 
they have a lot of people helping them make those decisions, sometimes independent of the teams. We saw with Kawhi Leonard, he seemed to have his own doctor. And at times with various teams, uh, when he was with the San Antonio Spurs, the, the there seemed to be a conflict between the team doctors and the personal doctor. Are you seeing this more and more at the higher levels that there can be this disagreement between multiple doctors that represent different beliefs and represent, you know, uh, different goals? Actually, yes, but it's different in different sports. For example, baseball. I'm an independent contractor. I don't work for the Cincinnati Reds. I've been with the Reds for 26 years. I don't work for them. In the NFL, the doctors work for the team, and the players look at the doctor as part of the team, and it's always team against player. Uh, in, in baseball, it's not quite like that. There are some disagreements, but I'm, I'm on the NFL second opinion list. And so I see a lot, a lot of the doctors, and a lot is viewed that a lot of doctors, for example, in the NFL are going to side with the team, what's best for the team. And so there's a huge gap between the NFL doctors and the players. So they all have their own doctors. They all, a lot of them go back to their old college doctors, quite honestly, uh, that they've gotten to know and there was no direct significant interference and uh, it's become it does become a problem because once one player is injured and the doctor recommends something for the team and he goes somewhere else and they recommend something else it's like a virus going through the clubhouse then all of a sudden nobody trusts the doctor and there's a big huge disconnect so it's very very dangerous very difficult and in in some ways it's uh and and most all of these doctors for the team are doing it for the right reason to take care of the players but there's so many politics involved so many people and it's trying to understand and explain something to somebody that knows nothing about medicine nothing Mm -hmm. they think an mri is going to cure somebody mri didn't cure anything so uh, yeah, it's 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 tough, man. I'm telling you, it, being a team professional team doctor, you must you've got to love the guys, got to love the sport, you got to love the team, and you got to love the people who want it. If you don't, it wears you down fast, real fast. Doctor Tim Kremchek joining us on the show. How much does being a fan play into being a doctor for a team? Well, you know, we're taught not to be fans, but it's hard not to be. I grew up a Cincinnati Reds fan. I used to get out of the ballpark in the late 60s and 70s. I was the, 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 the Reds team in 75, 76. Matter of fact, my patients now are Johnny Bench, Pete Rose, Joe Morgan passed on, but Ken Griffey Sr. All of these guys that I idolized as a kid are now my patients. So, yeah, it, you know, you can't go to every game. I go to every game. I go to 81 games a year. I go to spring training. I'm a Reds fan. And it's hard not to watch them on TV and pull for them. It's, obviously, it's a difficult season this year. But you've got to pull for these guys, and you have to be a fan. Because if you're not, it's a job. But if it's a job, it's too much time, and it wears you out. Uh, over the weekend, there was a pitcher at University of Tennessee that registered 105 miles per hour. What is the fastest, let's say 20 years from now, what's the fastest pitch someone is going to be able to throw? Do you think we are going to uh, even test test the boundaries, the levels of which we think you know the human can possibly do something, especially at a pitch speed? Are we? Are, do you see something like that ever being able to even go that much further? I do. I, I see the way we're conditioning. I see the, the and I don't say drugs in a, in a bad way, but the things that rejuvenate people, make you stronger, bigger, uh, the, the mechanics of throwing, I do. But here's the problem. Again, you take a hard-throwing kid like that, 
the chances of him breaking down soon, the body's not really able to withstand that for long periods of time. They're just not. And so these are the guys that break down. They throw 98 to 101 miles an hour, especially starters uh, and closers. And there's been a few of them that do that. Do Walvis Chapman throws hard. And, you know, he's basically been able to be on the field most of the time. But I've learned in baseball that command of your pitches and change in speed is more important than throwing the ball 104. You throw 104 and it's down the middle of the plate, the major leaguers will kill it these days. They'll kill it. And I've seen it. Uh, I've, I've watched it. I mean, you know, and, and so these pitchers have to learn how to pitch. So we are so enamored by, by velocity. But these kids in high school that are throwing 98, I would touch them because they're not going to last. It's just not going to happen. So we have to be careful what we wish for. And I throw those radar guns away. It's Hit the, it, Greg Maddox used to hit. He used to throw eighty nine to ninety one. <laughs> His ball would break over the edge, the corners. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, give me a break. And that's that's where guys knew how to pitch, and people couldn't hit him. He changed speeds. He was throwing eighty two to ninety one to ninety six inside corner, outside corner break. I mean, that's how you pitch. Final one. You're a doctor. I have to ask this: When should kids play tackle football? What age? You know, I, I think I think tackle football should probably start in seventh or eighth grade when they start to get mature. They learn how to use the equipment, and they and they also learn how to play play the game right. What I right, what I have found out and what I've watched is that kids that play football at an earlier age, it doesn't have to be tackle, but they learn the techniques are better players and safer players in high school and above. Oftentimes, these kids, and I say seventh and eighth grade, I meant for tackle. I'm not talking about learning technique. Mm-hmm. But you take these kids and get into high school that have never played, that don't know how to tackle, don't know how to block, don't know how to conduct themselves, they have a higher chance of getting hurt. So it's no different than learning how to throw a curveball. It's not throwing a curveball. It's learning how to grip it and throw it correctly and without hurting yourself. It's the same thing with learning how to tackle, how to carry a ball, how to block. Once you learn how to do that stuff, and you know the techniques, you're much less likely to get hurt. Dr. Tim Kremchek, you're a legend. We thank you very much for the time. That was awesome. Thank you. Well, I pull for, well, I'm pulling for all Clev. Uh, he's a great guy. This is his second Tommy John, and uh, he's a great guy, and I like to see him do well. I'm kind of a Guardians fan, too, so, you know, I... I'm still in the state, but I still pull it for Clem tonight, even though I hope it doesn't rain. I'll tell you, it's sunny in Cincinnati. I hope it's not raining in Cleveland. Well, they can't drive to Cincinnati, but I think we might have to play two. (laughs) We we might have to play two tomorrow, so we'll figure it out. Doctor, thank thank you so much. All right. Take care, guys. Yes, sir. You too. Dr. Tim Kremchek, Cincinnati, Tommy John specialist. You want to talk about Marilyn Monroe on Thursday? Did you tell him you don't live in Cleveland? You live in Cincinnati. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.